What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast, which I I know you want to help support the podcast, why would you be tuning in if you didn't want to support it? You can do so by uh, clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it's deserving of so. And uh, that's a free way to support. Doesn't, Doesn't cost you any money. It just takes a couple minutes, and it will help propel the podcast into the, into the tops of those iTunes charts, making it more uh, visible for strangers and uh, just giving it more exposure on the national and international level, which is uh, great for the artists that come on. We, it just means we get to share their music and their art with uh, a wider scope of folks. So I uh, cannot stress the importance of those iTunes reviews and and uh, taking that next step and supporting this thing, it's a, it's a great way to contribute to the sustainability. And I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already done so. Uh, thank you for tuning in in general. Really appreciate it. And uh, there's also a Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which you can check out, which features a bunch of in-studio performances as well as live show performances. Uh, tons of videos up there so check those out you can subscribe there as well and then you'll find out when the new videos hit the feed there's some great recent videos from strange hotels live at the doug fur uh, my favorite venue here in portland so super stoked that those are out and available now and uh, the next ones up will be uh, the gold casio videos we still got those to release from that uh, that night at the doug fur as well so i'm looking forward to uh giving everybody a look at those um other than that we got a we got a great episode in store episode 172 dead horses are on the are on the show and uh they are from wisconsin so i i think they make like the third band from wisconsin to be on the podcast um i mentioned keisha dower in the uh, beginning of this conversation with uh sarah and dan uh they're old friends so it's cool to have a connection there but keisha dower came on this show a couple times um kiki and the dowry is her band great band here in uh, portland oregon so uh she hails from wisconsin and uh also the last rebel have been on the show another uh another great band from wisconsin and kind of all traveling that uh same realm of of tunes i feel like they would uh, all fit a tremendous build together so i don't know what's going on uh out there with the cheese out there in wisconsin but it's uh it's producing the tunes apparently and uh i'm stoked to share this conversation that i got to have with uh dan and sarah they were uh, kind enough to uh hop on the phone with me they are uh they're cruising around on on tour right now and if you're listening to this on release day the dead horses they're going to be here in Portland, Oregon at the Doug Fur this Friday, July 26th. They're there. 
and uh, can't recommend you going out to support that show enough. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a real banger, a real banger out there at the Doug Fur. So that is uh that is where you can find them this Friday, and um, we will get into that conversation momentarily. Um, just a a few other uh, things going on. Uh, I want to give a, a big thanks to everybody that puts together the PDX Pop Now Festival, which is a uh, an annual festival here in Portland, Oregon. It's uh, they just had their 16th festival, which is so killer. It's a it's a great great festival that goes on every year here in Portland, and it's it's free and it's all ages and uh, super inclusive as far as the uh, the people that show up, but also the just a wide range of. Uh, genres of music which is great and they invited me out this year to MC a little bit on sunday of last week and i had a really great time out there getting to introduce some bands and seeing some bands that uh i hadn't seen before so that was also really cool and uh yeah i just want to thank thanks the the pdx pop now peeps for uh for inviting me out had a blast and uh i'm super stoked that next week is Pickathon time here? Um, amazing music festival here in the Pacific Northwest. Just a, I don't know, just a few miles outside of Portland. Uh, there's this unreal festival called Pickathon that happens out in the forest, and uh, this will be my third straight year of uh, of going and getting to uh, host a bunch of interviews with with bands there, which is a uh, a true treat. So thanks again to the Pickathon folks for inviting me back to to keep doing that i'm it's it's the thing that i look forward to all year now since going that that festival is is amazing and and seems to be unlike any other and just always exposed to so many amazing bands that you've never heard of before but every it's just curated so well that uh they're just all great you just walk away learning about your new four favorite bands from going to that festival. So if you're out there, come, you know, flag me down. Find the find the camp. Find the Dan Cable Presents camp and and uh say what's up. But I'll be out, out by those uh those slap sessions doing a bunch of interviews with bands and uh that's uh a very cool thing I get to do. And uh very grateful man. Feeling pretty good this last couple weeks about about things and um I don't know. I just feel like we're, we're having like pretty cool back-to-back weeks of the podcast. Last week with the Rad Trads was uh, such a uh, fun hang with them. And to follow it up with this uh, this conversation I had with, with Dead Horses is, uh, is, is very cool. And uh, this music, this Dead Horses stuff, um, you know, I get into it a little bit with Sarah about her lyrics and uh, just how they connected with me or what I pulled from them. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of compassion in these tunes. And I love that so much. And, uh, something that I'm, I'm always trying to practice that compassion. And, uh, I think the difficulty is always, uh, trying to show love and compassion for the folks that, that kind of piss you off or the ones that you don't understand their, uh, their process or or the way they go about things because those are the i don't know those, that's always the challenge there is to uh is to try to be patient with somebody else's human experience that you uh truly cannot understand because you're not 
in their uh, in their shoes. But uh, nonetheless, we've got uh, a great conversation in store. And uh, Dead Horses are touring. They're out on the road, man. They're doing the thing. They are, uh, like I said, they're in Portland tonight. If you're listening to this on release day, and um, where else are they? On Saturday, July 27th, they're in Eugene at San Bonds Garage in uh, California. People, Chico, California, on July 31st and August 1st, they're in uh, Sebastopol, Sebastopol, California. Never heard of that one. Lived in California for 27 years. Never heard of that city in my life. Uh, and then they make their way uh, down the coast, San Diego. They're there on the 3rd and in L.A. on the 4th. And uh, they've got some some dates after that in the Midwest. So uh, if you dig what you hear, all the all the links will be in the episode notes, as always. So you can you can keep up with these people. Give them a follow. Follow them on their, uh, their social media. Help them grow their visibility. Follow them on Spotify or iTunes. And um, that's just a great free way to help is growing a band's visibility with all the free music that's that is uh that is out there now so um that's it i think that's i think that's all all of the ramblings for episode 172 um big hugs to everybody out there thank you again for the the support for uh for tuning into this thing and um stoked that we're 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 doing it again. Another another week, another episode, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna dig right into it. We're uh, we're gonna kick things off with a track off of their uh, "My Mother the Moon" record. First track on the record is called "Turntable." We're gonna get into that, and uh, yeah, I mentioned it towards the end. They they have a bunch of uh, bunch of content there out on the on the YouTube's. So if you want to get a sense of what this band is like live. There's some cool stuff from from Red Rocks, and uh, there's some killer audio tree sessions, and uh, a bunch of things along those lines. So so check out, uh, just search Dead Horses Band on uh, on YouTube, and uh, and you'll find a bunch of that stuff there. Uh, thanks so much to to Sarah and Dan for jumping on the line for me. Such killer musicians and seem like great people. So look forward to hopefully meeting them in the future but uh we're doing the damn thing episode 172 dead horses are on the show and uh we're kicking it off with turntable let's do the damn thing in the arms of a lover in the arms of your son you lay your breath heavy on not anyone won't you see through why won't you rest yourself you know it ain't such a shame to have lost yourself You know it ain't such a shame to have lost yourself Breathe in a bottle of cheap red wine All my sacred sins and all your dirty Right. 
All right, you guys ready to uh, to jump into this thing? Dead horses. Yeah, yeah. do it. Um, yeah, I was I was just telling Daniel that that I was uh, turned on to your band by a uh, a mutual friend in Keisha Dower. Oh, you know Keisha? Yeah, she's uh she's no been way. a guest cool. on the podcast in the past, and and she's become a uh, a friend of mine as we both live here in Portland, Oregon. Awesome! Yeah, she's she's great. Yeah, great. She, I miss her. She's uh she's raved to me about your band in the past, so I was really excited <laughs> when I got the email about the opportunity to uh to chat it up with you two. Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this. Absolutely. I've been I've been digging into the tunes pretty heavy the last few days and uh I'm a huge fan of your most recent record, My Mother of the Moon, and uh I definitely want to chat about that a bit and as well as new tunes, but um I'd love to sure. start at the uh at the beginning with how the two of you formed this band together. Yeah. Yeah, Daniel, you wanna you wanna kick it off? Sure, yeah. So Sarah and I met in two thousand ten and uh we met in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Um just kind of connected by happenstance of a couple mutual friends that um I had been playing music with for a couple of years and actually two these two brothers that Sarah had been playing music with um back when she was in high school in Oshkosh. But uh the more or less Dead Horses started two thousand ten and um we were basically just playing for uh, free drinks and food wherever we could. And we were just kind of cutting our teeth that way. And lo and behold, nine years later, we're now touring all the time. Doing the thing. Love traveling. <laughs> and yeah. So, I mean, that, that's basically the inception of the band. So it goes back nine years and, um, yeah, we've just been playing and, uh, evolving as dead horses since. Uh, well, what was it about one another that, that drew you into wanting to play music with one another? I think just that, like, we had the opportunity to. Um, I know when I had run back into uh, these mutual friends of ours, these brothers, um, I I never thought that I would see them again after high school. Um, I had gone off to college, and they had moved away. And uh, three or four years later, I dropped out of school. Um, I was at a pretty, actually, a pretty low point in my life, and I moved back home to Oshkosh and ran into those same brothers again. And they said, Hey, we're playing with this upright bass player, Dan. And, you know, do you want to come and sing and, and play some songs together? So I think it was just, you know, we were all in the same place at the same time and had a lot of uh, desire to, to play music. Was, uh, was the music that, that everybody was playing around that time in the, the same vein of what, dead horses is now you know i think we were trying to play bluegrass which for me i had not i didn't even really i barely knew what that was at the time (laughs) um but i i was always really attracted to acoustic music and so uh it was it was definitely an educational thing for me um i didn't grow up listening to bob dylan or anybody like that but i again had this like very strong attraction to it so this was it just kind of felt very serendipitous that all of a sudden at this point in my life where so many things kind of crumbled I had this opportunity to uh, do something that I'd always wanted to do but wasn't wasn't really sure how to 
you know. Yeah, was it just a, a time where you, you had a lot to say, so it was, a, it was a good time to be able to write some tunes? Yeah, um, and I think a lot of the message that comes through with with so many of the lyrics that I write, um, you know, come from this place of, you know, my background, uh, growing up in a uh, kind of a, a fundamentalist, uh, in, you know, in a religious sense, home, and... Uh, then being kind of expelled from that. And then also this coming of age for me where I finally had enough courage to, uh, to admit what I believed and what I didn't believe anymore. And folk music is such a great medium to express that and ex- express, you know, uh, what you don't like <laughs> sometimes, yeah, absolutely. you know, like challenging, challenging the order of things. Um, but also at the same time, you're always like, you're communing together because like folk music is rooted in, you know, acoustic instruments and sitting on a porch and drinking light beers (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) just playing songs together, you know? And that's exactly what, you know, how, how we, how we got our start. Yeah. And, and Dan, did you, uh, did you recognize the strength of, of Sarah's songwriting right away or her voice? Yeah, totally. When uh, when our bandmates at the time invited her over, I had not known Sarah at all, so it was kind of just a, a fresh, a completely fresh beginning to a relationship. Which, you know, nine years later, I have, would have no idea that would still be going on. But um, yeah, I recognized her ability with music and the people I was playing with. Uh, that yeah, it was really inspiring, and the same thing sort of thing for me too it was like a learning experience because i was new to folk and acoustic music um especially bringing being brought up playing a lot more you know rock and roll and punk rock and playing loud and fast so yeah i definitely saw the strength and i saw the opportunity to grow with it and i really enjoyed it it was um yeah it was an honor to just be a part of it and uh keep developing something as a group you really can't beat that it's a, it's a special thing. Yeah, and coming from kind of like maybe the the heavier rock and roll stuff, how do you, how did you end up starting to play stand up bass? Um, bass. Well, it was actually again back to the the folks we were playing with. They had kind of recommended. They're like, you should try upright bass. So I was playing electric bass for many years um, prior to Dead Horses with them, and I liked that. Uh, but when I, I'd always wanted to play the upright bass and I just went and rented one from a local music shop and started, uh, playing around on it and, um, being around people that were really open to, uh, experimentation and playing around with things. They kind of let me also adapt my own sensibility on the instrument, which, um, which was great. And I just kind of took it, took off from there. Did you feel like there was also just like a different versatility to it as far as being able to offer like a little oh, more yeah. as a percussive instrument and just being able to use the bow and whatnot? Yeah, exactly. Like I'd always really loved orchestral music and I just liked that the bass had um, the versatility to kind of dabble in that realm. And uh, yeah, it it, uh, it changed the game completely. I, I don't even really consider the electric bass and upright bass really even the same instrument. They're just kind of they're played very differently. They're they're fulfilling ultimately the same role in the music, but 
um, yeah, I just really liked, and I, I liked the, the, the aspect of you can play it anywhere. It's, this is how the instrument sounds around a campfire on a porch, like Sarah was saying, or wherever. So I just like the, uh, portability, even though it is a giant instrument, I like the, <laughs> I like how easily you could get around. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, playing together for nine years now. And, and I, I find that bands that, that kind of operate as duos seem to have unique relationships. And um, I don't know if it's because you only have kind of that one relationship to work hard on and, and everybody kind of gets their uh, their creative input heard. But what, what do you what do you all think that uh, it is about this partnership that works and, and has been sustainable for the two of you? I, I think in, in large part, like a, a willingness, you know, is, is a big part of it. Like, for example, I remember like one of the musicians we played with just kind of like telling me in a side glance, like, yeah, we just, we just told Dan, like, hey, you should try upright bass. And he showed up the next day with an upright bass. Um, you know, and that speaks to, that's kind of a great, uh, metaphor for what I think, you know, Dan's personality is just very open and willing to try things. And, um, our personalities being as compatible as they are, I think does come down a lot to that, that willingness to, uh, to try things and to be open with each other, but also largely just really wanting to, to do this, to have, have this project kind of like. Dan was mentioning before how cool it is to have this, you know, this thing. It's a band, but it's it operates in so many different ways. And loving that, and loving the fact that you know it's a team of people. It's it's me and Dan primarily, but you know, like we have a manager, we have a booking agent, uh, we have other people that we play with. So just kind of having this this giant collaborative that you're constantly feeding and melding and trying to push one way, but sometimes it's going the other way and, and seeing where that ends up is, is, uh, super fun. I think we both appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Did you, did you all find that you had a lot in common, like outside of, of music as well and just really connected as people? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Do we, I don't know. It's hard to even say at this point because we've been doing it together for so long. It feels like, I like I can't really imagine my life without Dan and it. Like we've ha- we've had so many experiences together, a lot of like, you know, just incredible experiences as well as a lot of challenges too. And at the end of the day, like it's just always it's always been Dan and me, you know, doing it and and wanting to keep it going and and wanting to to keep keep growing it. Would you would you say the results of of building some traction in other parts of the country outside of where y'all are from is is uh, in large part just doing a, a lot of DIY kind of touring when you first started getting going? Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> I think a lot of yeah. it is the yeah the work ethic and even when we hang with other musicians or tour with other people, uh, <laughs> a lot of times. They're commenting on our work ethic, and it's it's not like, you know, you kind of get it pretty early on to me, and this is actually a very like liberating thing to realize that uh, very very little of it is based off of <clears throat> like talent or 
like how special you are. And, um, a lot of it is based off of just how, how hard you're willing to work and how willing you are to make it work. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's nice when you have uh, a partner in that that is uh, is just as all in as you to keep you motivated on the on the days that it's hard. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, how how does the the songwriting generally work between the two of you? It's that's really evolved quite a bit as well, and I I was just thinking about this memory of. Um, when we were first playing together and we were jamming with other players and kind of attempting to do our own version of, of bluegrass. Um, and how, like, I remember one of them was like, you know, Sarah, let's, let's try to do one of your songs. And I didn't have very much experience playing in like a band setting. I had a lot of music experience, but not so much band. And I remember trying it and it just didn't work. You know, like the song didn't work. I don't know what it was that it didn't quite work out, but I, I kept like taking a stab at it and bringing in songs and eventually it started working. But I'd say, you know, more recently as we've really honed in on the dual aspect of what we do, um, it's become a process where I send Dan a bunch of ideas for songs that I have. So, you know, a lot of times they'll have kind of a structure in place already, but then we will, sit down with them and just spend a lot of time kicking ideas back and forth. And, you know, Dan will have ideas for a different part of a song, different progression, even like a guitar suggestion for me to try. Um, and then we'll kind of, yeah, hone in on that. And in my mind, like the collaborative end of it is, is really just beginning to kind of blossom. And I'm really excited to see uh, how it continues to, to do that. And it, as far as the the lyrics, is that something you'll ever consult with Dan and be like, hey, I'm struggling with this line and do you have any ideas for this? Or is that usually just your role of taking care of the lyrics? It has been so far, but I mean, yeah, I'm totally open to, uh, you know, suggestions on lyrical content or, yeah, even if Dan had a specific idea for something like that. I think it, it may be... Uh, kind of uh, intimidating in a sense because my my lyrics are so personal and sometimes they're also just very very uh, they could be considered very abstract so how do you build off of that but um, but I'd love to see it go that direction yeah for sure <clears throat> and uh, is the the band as far as uh, playing live um, is it kind of always shifting as far as other people playing alongside you all at this point? Yeah. So over the past about a year and a half, like we, we kind of officially shifted to the duo performance and that, that was a great learning aspect too. Um, just figuring out, and actually the very first time we played as a duo, we were opening up for Joe Pug in Chicago and it was a show that came came to us um, the day that Sarah and I had planned to get together and start working on stuff as a duo. And then, well, we were in Milwaukee at the time, which is only about 80 miles from Chicago, and his opener had to dip out of that show, and we got a call asking if we would come and open. So it was kind of almost like a, a, a straight 
dive right into it. It's like, okay, well, we know the songs. We haven't performed them as a duo, but let's go do the show. And we played at a city winery with Joe Pug. And um, so we've been building as a duo. And we, but yes, we have other musicians that play with us and we'll arrange parts for them to play. Um, and this tour specifically, we have our uh, percussionist drummer with us. And uh, it's good to kind of finally bring him out on the road because we, we like playing as a duo. Um, we, we see how that is a way that can really, uh, you know, support the songwriting in a way because it's so stripped down. But we still like having other players play with us because it creates even, it's another energy on the stage. It's another energy into the songs. And we've been fortunate to uh, find musicians that really do complement the the sound that we've been kind of cultivating over the last nine years. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the more interesting things we've been attempting over the last few months and also looking into the next few months is working with, uh, well, we've been working with the drummer for a while. We've worked with a mandolinist, but um, over this last winter, we did a, a few shows um, kind of closer to home um, where we had a cello player and a violin player as well. And uh, so, so Dan actually kind of like wrote out the parts for them to play. And um, it was really fun because a lot of times in the like bluegrass world or even just in music in general, sometimes you'll, you'll bring in a player and you'll kind of just, just tell them like play, like it's in this key and then sometimes it works out really well and sometimes it doesn't. But one thing I've always wanted to do is, is become more deliberate about all of the parts of the song. And so it was cool uh, to see uh, Dan get to flex this muscle of writing parts out for other instruments and then to hear how the arrangement works. And it's been uh, really beautiful so far. It's, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, that's rad. Like truly composing music and whatnot. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, let's jump into into a track here, a little musical break. Um, this Swinger in the Trees song on My Mother the Moon is, is probably one of my favorite tracks in the catalog. So cool. I'd love to jump into that one. Cool. Sounds cool. good. All right. So this is it. This is, uh, this is Swinger in the Trees from uh, Dead Horses. Baby. It's been a long year Flowers fading in the window And I'm still here Lately I lost my courage Just a speck in the ocean Leaf in the forest So why then all this fear To have faith in the small things. I don't know much, but I know that pity is a sick thing. Saw so my brother.
How quickly we forget beauty that surrounds us. All these strangers passing by me. We choose not to see We choose Sarah, you mentioned uh, just that that lots of the uh, lyrics on on your songs are are very personal, and uh, I think that's definitely the thing that uh, that attaches me to the tunes, and and it's kind of like made me a, a big believer in what y'all are doing. And I when I hear the tunes, uh, they seem to come to a pl- like from a place of of compassion, or at least a uh, a desire to be understanding of uh, each of our own like individual human experiences. Is that uh, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's spot on. I think um, I think like the whole empathy thing is that could uh, that could solve a lot of our our problems as as humans. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that there's a uh, a line of being too empathetic sometimes and like just having that that weight on your shoulders yeah it can be it can be really painful to 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 always be very very sensitive uh to other people's feelings um i i do feel that often um but it's also kind of a, a beautiful thing just to be able to experience like you're you're trying to I just always want to understand like if there's you know one really innate quality I think that I have it's it's that of wanting to understand uh the things around me and for whatever reason you know music and I think a lot of people who make art would would uh would agree with this like it's like that's like you know 
I have a hard time expressing myself in so many different aspects of my life. I I just freeze up. But when it comes to uh, making music, it's like, it feels like just the safest way to tell secrets or to tell observations. But the irony is that um, at the end of the day, like people want to, you know, they often want to know. So it's like, do you actually explain your your background story on on the songs or do you let them speak for themselves and i think that's that's an interesting conundrum i just read a rolling stone article about uh big thief this band big thief and uh they discuss that a lot and like where do you draw that line of what you're willing to say specifically about what you're talking about because you know i could talk about a meaning behind a song. The song is maybe four minutes long and I could talk about it for an hour, but does that actually like dumb it down in a way? Um, and I think the answer is yes and no. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, I think I understand people's willingness to, to explain what songs are about, but also I respect the, the people that um, want to kind of keep it a mystery and leave it to the listener's interpretation so that they can kind of have their own experience with it. Um, I think sometimes one of the more interesting questions can be like, what were you experiencing when you were going through this instead of like, what is this song about? Um, yeah, yeah. um, That's a really good point. And yeah, I just, uh, I connect heavy to the to the tunes though, as far as the lyrics and and I think like that message was very clear to me and um, it's is it is it Deep Blue Sea off the record prior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that like that tune when you're just talking about that we're all like we're all just out here we're all just in the water and uh, just as something as simple as that Absolutely. just uh, just really got that uh, that message across to me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time to to listen and to be open to it. It's it's one of the the best parts about what we do is is going places and and playing and having people feel open to feeling these emotions and you know empathy, for example, together and just to feel to feel something together is is like. Uh, it's a very beautiful aspect of of what we get to do day to day as musicians. Yeah, and I th- I don't know. I would imagine that also kind of connects to you on the on the uh, the level of that communal experience that you you grew up with in the in the church, like at least the good part of it. Absolutely, yeah. That's a that's a really good observation. I think that was, and that's even something I miss because I I don't uh, I don't. I'm not a part of any, you know, religious gatherings anymore, but um, this music community kind of does fill a void that I'm really happy that I got to grow up with, which is, again, like we said, that kind of communal sense of, of being together and knowing that you're not alone. I'd, I'd say the difference, though, is um, that it's very inclusive versus uh, kind of some of the exclusivity that I dealt with growing up uh in a church that kind of said like, Nope, there's this way and there's that way. And you have to be this, you can't be that. And so on and so forth. Yeah. 100% for sure. Um, Dan, are you, are you usually, uh, paying close attention to the lyrics as soon as songs are brought 
to you or is that something you kind of like pick up on after you've figured out your your parts for the song and kind of start singing along with Sarah? No, it, yeah, it's definitely something I hear right from the get-go because when Sarah sends ideas, it's completely stripped down to just her and a guitar. So um, it, it, it lyrics are definitely something that I, I do hear right from the beginning. And, uh, yeah, what, what do you guys, uh, as far as some of these experiences you've had out on the road, I know you've had the opportunity to play with some, some great bands. Um, who would you say has had the, the biggest impact on, uh, how, how you operate in the live sense or on tour or just as a band in general? I really want to hear your answer, Dan. <laughs> well, I would say one that I agree with that I I know I've heard you talk about too, but Mandolin Orange is a band that we toured with early on that I think we both agree that they just have such a vibe yeah. in their live show that isn't uh, you know, ostentatious at all. It's just calm and there and special um, i mean it's just very present but it's uh yeah so that's that's one example and we we toured with them a couple years back and did shows around where, where were we with them we were kind of more on the east coast and uh yeah even parts of tennessee and whatnot and that that's a band that i think really stuck out to us when we first saw them because i we had heard of them we did our homework before we were also playing with them and we dug the sound but then meeting them as people and they're they're lighthearted individuals and they just love to play i just remember a couple of the nights like um some of the hotels we were staying at they were out by these little fires at the hotels or whatever playing till whenever and they and there was not really a skip in the beat at all like the music just kept going and they were doing it out of pure joy and um they're, they were just really great people to be on the road with. But, yeah, they definitely did set an example, I believe. Yeah. It's, that, that yeah, was... they're great because... I'm oh, sorry. So, oh, sorry. They're, like, coming from a kind of a scene where usually the headline spots are often given to bands that are, like, you know, kind of balls to the wall. Um, and here's this band that's, like, yeah, it's 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 way more gentle, but yet there's also this groove to it. And uh, like, as you said, very special. It was encouraging for us uh, to think like, well, okay, like we don't, we don't have to go boss to the wall. If that doesn't feel like the right thing to do, um, let's, let's have it be about the songs. Yeah, absolutely. That was the mandolin orange was, was the answer I was hoping for <laughs> secretly, but, uh, and, and just because I know that they, that they kind of primarily operate as a duo too. So I was just kind of curious from that aspect. I know when I saw them play a couple of years at Pickathon, they were playing as a full band and it was really amazing, but I know they do a lot of that songwriting, just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, that's, and Dan, you were talking about just them kind of sitting around fires, picking up instruments and i think that's that's a very fun aspect of of a tour is to watch musicians that that simply can't keep instruments from their hands and just always writing or playing no matter what time it is or if anybody's listening yep totally (laughs) totally (laughs) um 
So, so what is uh, what is shaking with with dead horses now? I know you have uh, an EP coming out soon, like in September. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, we've been doing some really fun recording sessions um, where we're producing ourselves, uh, which is really great. And not to say, you know, like I think we're both looking forward to working with producers in the future because there's always a lot to learn but it's been fun to do a handful of songs where we're kind of calling the shots and doing it in a much more relaxed environment um we've been recording up in appleton wisconsin which is close to where we met um at this place called the refuge which used to be a monastery and now it's kind of been turned into this kind of artist collective so they have different people kind of coming in and out all the time. Um, and, uh, there's a chapel. That's like where I got to record guitar parts and vocal parts. Oh man. Um, which is really neat. Yeah. It's like, it's so cool for, for me. Cause it like, I still have most of my experience singing as, is singing in a room and singing through a PA and to be able to record with a natural room reverb, um, is right up like my alley of what I'm good at versus like a really dry, you know, if you record it in a dry way, you can kind of do more things with that recording. So right. I, I see the strength in that, but it's been fun to like flip it on, on its head and do it this way uh, for these songs for the EP and yeah. And being able to kind of do the producing ourselves. It's been really fun. Is uh is family tapes one of those jams on on that collection of yep. tunes? I re- I really yep, for re- sure. really dig that song quite a bit, and just in general, you mentioned like the the vocals um on the records, and I just think that you all do a very good job of uh of kind of bringing that live intimate feel to the recordings in the uh, the vocal textures. Thanks. Yeah, the previous record, so Cartoon Moon and My Mother the Moon, we recorded down in Nashville um, with a guy named Ken Coomer. And he was great to work with. Uh, small studio, but they have just some awesome gear. And I think, you know, I think he had a pretty uh, strong idea right away, like this is how we're going to make the vocal sound. And I'm I'm happy with, with how it turned out. Uh, but... Yeah, there's just so many things that you can do in a studio. And as far as recording goes, I think for me, when I really thought to myself, like, I, I want to make a go at this and I want to turn this into, you know, my career and, and in the sense of this is what I'm spending the majority of my energy on, that came to me when we first started recording as a band. Because um, that's always something that I wanted to do and even before dead horses i was always messing around with home recordings and how can you make things sound a certain way um so that's yeah it's been really fun that's awesome um and uh i think you both mentioned kind of that that you feel like you're just digging in to the the collaborative nature of this thing do you feel like producing the music together on your own is is a big step in that and being able to explore that freedom yeah, I, de- I definitely yep. think so. You think, think so, Dan? Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, and like in, even for these um, songs that we've been putting out, kind of the self-produced 
method, uh, we're, we're actually like kind of demoing them at home or in the past, like we wouldn't go as much to that length. We had more or less have the ideas ready to go, but then work with a producer who would also have a bunch of ideas. And we'd go in the studio and spend, you know, a couple weeks crafting an album and, it can be a little nerve wracking too, because it's like, okay, we have a limited amount of time to make a whole album, but we felt that the two albums we did cartoon moon and my mother, the moon. Um, I think with the time we had, we, we got something that we were proud of that we wanted to put out. Um, but now, yeah, with these self-produced songs, like we are kind of demoing them at home too on our own to get more of an idea. Like when we do go to record them, uh, let's say like up in Appleton, um, at the refuge, like we have more clear ideas. Yeah. And, and if you want to make changes, you still can because you're not necessarily under those time constraints. Totally. Exactly. Right on. Well, uh, I appreciate you all jumping on the line with me and chatting it up. I know these, these phone interviews can be a little goofy sometimes. Um, I hope, I hope sure. next time, next time you're in Portland, maybe we can do it in person. I'm bummed that I'm going to be out of town this friday for your show but i definitely encourage oh, that's us. i encourage all the folks to uh to come out and 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 see this live show i've been i've been checking out um like your audio tree performance and and the red rock stuff that you have and and all the other live stuff and it's all really great too so i'll put all the links in the episode notes so that people can uh follow up with uh with what you're doing Cool. Thank you, Dan. And uh, yeah, thank you, Dan. Absolutely, thank you. And we're gonna uh, play it out with uh, with "Birds Can Write the Chorus," which is the the newest single that you just dropped. And I know it's gonna be kind of out everywhere this Friday when this comes out. That's right. And That's right. Uh, we we end every episode of the podcast with the uh, the guests of the show saying the tagline, which is "It's a program." <laughs> Uh, so if you could give us the dead horses, it's a program. We can uh, sail this thing out. All right, okay, Sarah, ready? Sarah, you yeah, got it. On the count of three? On the count of three, we'll do it together. Okay. Okay? All right, one, yep. two, three. It's a program. It's a program. <laughs> <laughs> they nailed it. Good enough. Good That's killer. We got, like, the, we got the delay effect. uh thank you again so much uh safe safe travels and uh thank you for for sharing about your band and and thank you for the for the tunes that you all are putting out for sure thanks for chatting with us absolutely thank you very much dan yeah take it easy much love and uh that's the jelly jams everybody we will catch you on the flip right, side, out, Portland. This Adios. is uh, Dead Horses <laughs> with uh, Birds Can Ride the Course. We'll tell Keisha hi for you. <laughs> do it. Do it. Shout All out right. to Keisha Dower. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs> Later on. Gently woven curls of gold. A mirror to my face. It's never what I thought it was. It's never too late My eyes are all painted on My skin is all ash And you hide behind your principles I've got my many, many
They said they were all sinners Saints with no sense I carry one message now Of reverence Yes, this can be our story now This can be our song Birds are at the chorus now We'll all sing along This can be our story now This can be our song Birds are at the chorus now We'll all sing along It's a program. It's a program. <laughs>